Good afternoon. I'm John Calcicchio, Deputy Mayor for Planning and Economic Development, and I want to welcome you to the Recovery Weekly Check-In, uh, brought to you by Stanford. Today is November 17th, uh, and we have a long list of guests uh, with us today, uh, so we want to get right to it. Uh, we're going to talk about two uh, topics today about our recovery. Uh, first and foremost, one that's on the top of folks' minds, uh, which is uh, rent relief. Uh, it's an issue we've been working on uh, since the early days of the pandemic response. Uh, and we have with us Holly Donaldson, the Director of the Department of Housing and Community Development. And then we'll also talk about another uh, lighter topic, uh, but one that's important. Uh, it uh, uh, focuses on uh, the DC uh, downtown, excuse me, the downtown DC holiday market, uh, and the work that the downtown DC did has been doing to support uh, our small businesses. Uh, but first up, we want to start with Director Donaldson, talk to us a little bit about some of the rent relief programs that we have. Uh, and how they've been utilized thus far. So we'll go to Director Donaldson to talk about uh, our program. Director? Thank you, Deputy Mayor. Uh, and uh, good afternoon, everyone. I'm so glad you could join us. I wanted to be able, to, as, as the Deputy Mayor said, to just give you an update on where we are with rent assistance uh, programs here in, in the district. And at the Department of Housing and Community Development, we are working with our fellow agencies across the uh, district, including the Department of Human Services, the Office of Tenant Advocates, the Deputy Mayor for Planning and Economic Development, to ensure that we are coordinating our efforts and maximizing the resources that we have. Um, most of the resources that we do have for rent assistance are from the federal government. They're through our grants with HUD, both our regular annual community development block grants, as well as our um, the CARES Act funding that the Congress passed early on in the pandemic. Um, I'll say this now and I'll repeat it. We have resources for rent assistance. And I encourage residents of the district who are having trouble paying your rent, or if you have back rent that you owe, please apply. I'm going to be giving you the information at the end of this presentation of where to go, what organizations can help you with that application. But first, let me run you through a few statistics here that you can see. Um, as you can see, we've actually total, have given a, of a total for our BHCD uh, rent assistance program 1.5 million to about almost 400 awardees. Um, that is a, a low number. We do expect more, and indeed applications have been uh, on the increase. We have two main rent assistance programs. The tenant-based rent assistance program known as TBRA, and that is specifically for residents who are earning less than 60% of the median family income. That's about $65,000 a year, and they are in a small building, 50 units or less, where they are having trouble paying their rent and have rent arrears. And they're also being impacted economically by the pandemic and are expecting to have trouble paying their rent going forward. And this is a program that can help with that. Again, we encourage you to apply, and we will be giving that information about the organizations that are administering that program. So that one is actually has been in effect for a few months, and, folks, and, and we have been able to reach a really significant number of residents who are in small buildings where their, their uh, ability to stay uh, in those buildings and 
Coronavirus Housing Assistance Program, known as CAP, and that also is using federal funds, and that also is saying that you can actually be between 30% uh, of the MFI to 80%, so that's about families and individuals making um, 40,000 to almost 85,000, and that is so we can really help those low and moderate income families that are that have been economically impacted by uh, the pandemic and will have back rent that needs to be covered. All of this is because while yes, we have an eviction moratorium at this point in time, passed by the council, supported by the mayor and the administration, I will tell you that when that moratorium ends, we will need to ensure that, that back rent has been paid and that these are the resources that can help you do it. Next slide, please. Um, this just gives you an idea about the uh, number of applications that we've been receiving. I will note that for the coronavirus, uh, the bottom chart is particularly important that applications are increasing. The last uh, star there is for November, so we're only partway through the month. Uh, but we are seeing a gradual uptick. But we still, I want to encourage you, don't wait until the moratorium is ended, which right now is scheduled to be at the end of December. Uh, do not wait to apply for the rent assistance, uh, especially because uh, the resources are limited, uh, and we do want to make sure that we can help as many as are needed um, as well. Uh, next slide, please. This, um, I think, helps very much to demonstrate who we are helping, and really it's our most vulnerable residents. Over 89% of the awards under the, the tenant-based rent assistance program, they have gone to the, our very lowest income residents of the district. And I think that's exactly what we want to make sure we're helping our most vulnerable residents, our lowest income and those most at risk. Um, you can see the geographic distribution, um, and it does show where there is a, a high rental population, so certainly in, in Ward 4, but also in Ward 7 and Ward 8. And so that is where the, the majority of the funds for the tenant-based rent assistance have been going. Uh, next slide, please. For the CHAP uh, program, uh, which uh, started a little bit later because we had to get the funds from the uh, Department of Housing and Urban Development at HUD. But the average award we've been giving has been about 3,000 a month. And again, over, overwhelming numbers for our most uh, vulnerable and lowest income residents of the district. And again, the distribution is very similar, Ward 5, Ward 7, Ward 8. And that is where we are working to make sure that our district residents can stay housed and be able to do it. So how do you access these resources? First, go to the coronavirus.dc.gov, please next slide, uh, dc.gov uh, website backslash rent, and there will be a whole listing of what the rent assistance programs are for residents of the district. It includes both the DHCD programs as well as the Department of Human Services funded programs as well that are both homeless prevention as well as emergency uh, solution grants as well. The two uh, organizations implementing the tenant-based rent assistance are the Housing Counseling Services and the Latino Economic Development Center. And their contact information is on these slides and also on the coronavirus.dc.gov website. Um, the eligibility is such that you must have been renting uh, in the district since February, since immediately prior to the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, for the next slide, please. For the CHAP application process, 
Um, if you, again, go to coronavirus.dc.gov, or you can go to the Department of Human Services or the DHCB website for links to the portal to enter in to do your application online. Or again, there are three community-based organizations that are experienced healthy counselors that are there to serve you and to provide you with assistance. Healthy Counseling Services, the Greater Washington Urban League, and the United Planning Organization. Information, again, on contact number, phone numbers and how you can gain access to that assistance is all there. Remember that you, need, you are going to need to show what your income is and how you've been adversely impacted by the COVID pandemic, but really this is an opportunity to make up for the rent payments that you may owe in order to stay stably housed. We want to help you. We have the resources. Please come and apply, and we look forward to serving you. Thank you. Thank you, Deputy Mayor. Absolutely. Thank you, Director. And uh, we uh, have people watching on Channel 16. Uh, we have people watching on uh, Facebook and Twitter, uh, and even on uh, mayor.music.gov uh, live. Uh, if you have a question and you're watching on a social media, uh, platform, feel free to use the hashtag DCHOPE. Uh, that'll allow us to see your question or comment uh, and we can get you into this conversation. If you're listening actually on the phone line, uh, you can press zero now and that will put you in the queue to ask a question. Uh, but if we could go uh, to the application uh, slides that Director Donaldson just went through, I know we use a lot of sort of uh, acronyms and things like that. So if I'm, uh, who, who ideally is the candidate or the applicant uh, for the, uh, the CBRA. So they are uh, a renter. They are a renter in a small building of 50 units or less. They have uh, an income that is uh, less than uh, uh, less than uh, 50,000 a year and that and usually it's very much less as the chart shows that we are really serving our most vulnerable and lowest income uh, residents. Okay, so on that application, so if you're a renter, you're in a building of less than 50 units, and you make uh, generally less than $50,000, you should reach out to one of the folks on the screen now, the Housing Counseling Services or the Latino Economic Development Center. That's correct. All right. I promise the next question, set of questions is going to be just as easy. Good. Uh, so then for the CHAP program. For the CHAP program, uh, there are several ways to access it. it is with the, first, first off, uh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm a renter. You're a renter, and your income can be anywhere from uh, $30,000 to uh, $80,000. So this is for low and moderate income residents of the district. And then do I need to be in any size building, or this is... No, this is for any tenant who meets those income qualifications and who has been adversely impacted by the coronavirus pandemic, meaning you've lost your job, you've lost your income, you can't pay your rent, you want to pay your rent, and you come apply to either the Housing Counseling Services, the Greater Washington Urban League, or the United Planning Organization. Okay, great. Well, thank you very much, Director, for walking us through that, uh, not once, but twice. Uh, we appreciate that. I know we'll have some questions about this. Uh, again, on social media, you see the hope. If you're listening on the phone line, you can press uh, zero now, and we'll make sure that all of the resources that we've talked about today are on coronavirus.dc.gov recovery. Uh, so you can find the information there. Uh, now I want to talk about how we're supporting our small businesses uh, and bring into the conversation Neil Albert. Uh, Neil is the president and CEO of the Downtown DC Bid. He also is a former director, governor, 
duty administrator. I think the only title he hasn't held is Santa Claus. <laughs> but maybe there's something I don't know. Uh, with that, Neil Albert to talk about the downtown DC bid and the holiday market. Uh, thank you, Jeff Mayor, and uh, Santa Claus is coming to town. We'll talk a little bit about that today. Um, so just briefly, for those of you who don't know uh, what a bid is, uh, downtown DC bid is one of 11 bids here in the District of Columbia. Um, we are a nonprofit organization uh, that provides uh, capital resources, research, and clean and safe services uh, for folks uh, in a one square mile area of, of downtown D.C. Um, today I want to talk a little bit about what we're doing to support for businesses uh, in downtown. Next slide. And also about the impact that the coronavirus has had uh, on the downtown D.C. economy. Uh, downtown D.C. is critical to D.C.'s general economy and to the economy of the region. Uh, in 2019, which is just last year, uh, the downtown D.C. economy contributed $1.47 billion in revenue, almost $1.5 billion in revenue uh, in that one square mile area, and only utilized uh, about $570 billion. So our net fiscal impact is close to $900 million every year, our peak last year, to the city's uh, economy. Next, next slide. Next slide. So COVID hit. Uh, and, and like every city, every uh, municipality, uh, we have been impacted. But downtown DC has been impacted extremely hard. I know the chart on the screen is extremely hard to read, but it gives a sense as to uh, what the effect has been in a number of important sectors of our economy. So for example, uh, office buildings, uh, there are only about 10% of employees uh, working from office buildings uh, in downtown D.C. as a recent uh, research and analysis uh, in October. What does that mean for economy? It means that people are not shopping. People are not going to a restaurant. They're not going to work retail. Another big driver of our economy is our hotel industry. I don't have to tell you how our hotel industry has been affected. Even though 81% of hotels operating up and running. They're only operating and running at about 31% of the revenue that they experienced last year. Downtown DC is home to eight uh, museums, three of which are open uh, today. And as everyone knows, I'm also home to the convention center, which drives millions of visitors uh, into our restaurants, into our hotels uh, on, a, on an annual basis. Uh, next slide. And so uh, when COVID hit, uh, we partnered uh, with uh, the District of Columbia government and other bids uh, to bring some relief. Uh, we can go to the next slide. Earlier on, uh, we worked with the Deputy Mayor's Office uh, to do a robust round of PPP distribution, uh, working with many of the other bids in, in DC. Uh, we got uh, PPE to small businesses in particular who were reopening. We also uh, worked with the Department of Transportation uh, to accommodate restaurants who were interested in expanding uh, their opportunity to provide services and, and, and um, food for people not just uh, working and living in downtown DC, but folks who wanted to support businesses. Uh, 
for uh, signature uh, support events for restaurants has been uh, what's called a dine-up at 8th Street, which is a multi-destination uh, restaurant uh, treatery, uh, which features four restaurants and food trucks. Uh, one of our premier uh, restaurants in the bit, to Libre, if you haven't been there, you have to go check it out. Uh, it's still using uh, that uh, facility uh, today. Next slide. We pivoted recently uh, working in partnership uh, with the Mayor's Office of, of Nightlife, Nightlife and the Restaurant Association of Greater Metropolitan Washington uh, to provide uh, eaters, so restaurants in particular, who are interested in expanding uh, their lifeline uh, through the colder months uh, here in Washington, D.C. And so I know if you're watching this online or on Channel 16, uh, you've been hearing about the eaters. Uh, we have procured a substantial amount of feeders and we are working uh, with our bid, uh, the other bid, for distribution to those restaurants that will remain open uh, during this cold weather period. Next slide. And then uh, finally, as, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Santa Claus is actually coming to town uh, this year. For the 16th year in a, in a row, uh, the downtown DC bid will be operating uh, the world-renowned downtown holiday market. It's a great opportunity for folks to come and get their holiday gifts, uh, mixed and mingled in a socially distant, uh, safe atmosphere and support the downtown uh, DC economy. But to talk more about uh, the downtown holiday market, I'm gonna turn it over to Mike Berman, who is the president of the First Markets Management, the group that runs the holiday market on behalf of the downtown DC business improvement district. Mike? Thank you, Neil. Um, I'm Mike Berman, and uh, I run the downtown uh, holiday market uh, on behalf of uh, the uh, DC bid, uh, downtown bid, and uh, my company, Diverse Markets Management, uh, operates several markets uh, around uh, town, including the flea market, Easter market, uh, farmers market, Southwest, and uh, we uh, have been co-producing this event with the bid. Uh, for 16 years, and um, despite the challenges of going through this year, uh, we thought it was uh, critically important to make this market happen uh, for the small businesses that so uh, need this event to um, make some uh, revenue this year and uh, you know have a fourth quarter that works. So um, there's a lot of challenges with that. There's a lot to do, uh, but we've come up with a great way to do it safely and uh, healthy, and uh, frankly, uh, it's kind of exciting what we've built, and uh, I want to talk more about that. So, uh, next slide, please. We are um, still on uh, the 7 and 800 block of F Street, uh, but instead of the uh, sidewalk that we usually are on, now we're on a closed street, and that creates a lot more opportunities, and it's a lot safer, and uh, it gives us a uh, much uh, more efficient and uh, uh, exciting way to, to produce an event. Um, and we open this Friday, uh, November 20th, at noon, and uh, we run every day from noon to 8, with the exception of Thanksgiving Day, uh, Mondays, uh, November 30th, uh, Mondays, uh, December 7th, and December 14th. Um, we're easily accessible by Metro or at Gallery Place Metro, Chinatown Metro, 
there's plenty of parking downtown. We uh, do have the city center parking lot very close by that's got ample parking. So it's really uh, easy to get to and it's uh, going to be a fun way to shop and a safe way to shop. Um, and how are we going to do that? So we've really grown our footprint. And if anyone's shopped at Holiday Market before, uh, you've uh, experienced one aisle with vendors on either side. And uh, um, so many people love it that it gets pretty darn crowded. That's all changed. With the closed street, we now have the vendors back to back. And we have a circulation pattern that allows customers to uh, walk and see every vendor with plenty of space. Uh, we are uh, using one entrance and one exit. Uh, so the market is barricaded off. And that creates a way to control the traffic flow and uh, uh, give a sense of every customer being able to see every vendor and uh, shop it um, safely and, and effectively. Um, of course, everyone would wear a mask. We're going to check everyone in uh, to make sure they're wearing a mask. There's hand sanitizer stations stationed all around the market. All of our vendors will be uh, disinfecting their booths. Our food vendors will certainly be uh, uh, cleaning and disinfecting their booths constantly in all uh, contact surfaces. So uh, a visual here shows you what our new market layout looks like. And so you would enter uh, from the sidewalk of F Street in front of the uh, steps to the National Portrait Gallery. Uh, we have a grand entrance and uh, our info booth is there to give you uh, any help you need on uh, who's in the show and any mask you might need or hand sanitizer you might need is right there. And you'll enter the market and you're gonna walk in a counterclockwise fashion. So you're gonna walk into the market and head towards 9th Street. And then you're gonna wrap around and go towards 7th Street. Then you're gonna wrap around to the center again uh, for the exit. Um, and this provides uh, a really clean and safe way to uh, put your eyes and uh, put your uh, dollars to all these vendors that have some really great things to show and, and talk about. The, uh, the vendor mix is really exciting. Uh, these are all small and regional uh, vendors. Um, they have some really unique products. They've got uh, some, some chocolate and some other gifts, and we have uh, a lot of different uh, new experiences to talk about at this show. Uh, we have a uh, mixed uh, augmented reality experience through our partners at uh, Art Tech House. So you would download an app and you can uh, find uh, some surprises in the market. So we're going to do uh, some uh, cool secret things that uh, you'll have to come and experience. <laughs> we do not have a live stage, uh, so we're not doing uh, uh, live music, but we are. Uh, doing a big Jumbotron screen, and so we'll show some movies, and uh, we have booked almost all of our favorite bands from previous years, and they've all given us uh, a video recording of their performance, so uh, you want to come and check them out, and we'll be broadcasting that at the market every day, uh, so it's still going to be uh, the holiday market experience that everyone comes to love, and uh, importantly, uh, this is uh, outdoor shopping. Uh, so we feel this is a safe way to come and experience it and get your holiday shopping done.
Mahama Wright from the DC pop-up, and um, Mahama's going to talk about her uh, products and her booth uh, from the Made in DC Thank you so much, Mike, and thank you, Deputy Mayor, for having me. Um, I appreciate the opportunity to talk about uh, pop-up collaboratives and what we're doing uh, this year at the downtown holiday market. Um, my name is Brahma Wright. I'm the founder of Shayaline and the Pop-Up Collaborative. So I'm sure you're wondering, what is the Pop-Up Collaborative? Well, the Pop-Up Collaborative was a concept I developed three years ago to help support primarily women and minority-owned businesses in the district, specifically businesses that are making products in the district. And so my company had an office location on H Street, and we converted it. We converted the office space into a retail space and invited about 40 brands to come and showcase their products. And it happened in the holiday season of 2017, and we just continued um, to do pop-ups all across um, the district and in partnership with the SLBD's Made in DC program. And so the reason that I created the pop-up collaborative, because as a minority-owned and woman-owned business, I've had a lot of challenges, and I felt like there are other people like me who have similar challenges. Why not come together, utilize our economies of scale, utilize our resources, and help each other grow? Um, and help each other increase our exposure and our, our brand outreach. And so that was the mission and the vision behind it. And through working with DSLBD, we've done some pretty incredible pop-ups over the last couple of years, and one of which uh, was an airport kiosk at Washington National Airport, which gave us an opportunity to really bring our brand and our product to travelers, international, national travelers. And honestly, it, it was an incredible, incredible opportunity. And I have to say that the support of the DSLBD office has been um, amazing in terms of the Made in DC program, really supporting local makers and giving us the, the opportunity and the platform to really get our products out there. But COVID-19 hit. So after nine months of operating this fantastic kiosk at the airport, uh, we had to, to shut down. Uh, mandatory shelter in place, travel bans, all had a tremendous impact uh, on my business. And one of the resulting impacts was losing about 70% of our revenue uh, since April. And as Mike has said, being a part of the downtown holiday market is going to be an opportunity for us to really end the year strong and really push sales not only for um, my core business, Xiaomi, but for other brands and for other makers in DC. So I've actually brought a couple of the brands that we'll be representing um, at the downtown holiday market. It will be 10 core brands um, in the tent, and we are focusing on women, minority-owned, and black-owned businesses. And we're partnering with a couple of really interesting um, other retail partnerships with Nubian Human, as well as the Nihilist and Market 7. All three of them are organizations that really support and uplift and provide brand exposure for black-owned businesses. So because we have a 10 by 20 tent, we can't bring in a ton of brands, but by uh, these partnerships, we're actually going to be promoting and helping to drive uh, sales to uh, websites, hundreds of websites um, supporting black-owned businesses throughout the four weeks that, we'll, that we will be um, at the downtown holiday market. So as Mike said, 
please come out, please support us. This is an incredible opportunity um, to support small businesses that have really struggled, and I'm one of them. Um, 2020 was really difficult, and I really wanted to take a moment and talk to all my peers out there, the entrepreneurs and small business owners. I know it's been a hard time. Uh, there have been plenty of moments where I felt like I wanted to give up. And I believe that if we come together and stand together and prioritize community over competition, we'll really get through this. And if we get through COVID-19, we can literally get through anything. <laughs> and I also just want to thank the deputy mayor's office. I'm here because I did receive a DEMPED small business recovery grant, so thank you so much. Um, and also have had the opportunity um, to get support from WACIF and LEDC. And so as I said before, this is really a community effort. None of us can get through this by ourselves. And with that, in terms of supporting small businesses and really shining a light on what we are all doing, I'm really excited to introduce another, <laughs> another brand that's going to be featured in the downtown holiday market. So David Burton of the Capital Candy Jar, anyone who messed that up. And we actually had the opportunity to work with each other um, at the airport kiosk. So I will pass it over to you. <laughs> yes, we did. Thank you so much. I appreciate that intro. And thank you to the Deputy Mayor's Office and the Downtown DC bid for the opportunity to uh, be here today and, and uh, speak a little bit. Um, my name is Dave Burton, and I'm the founder of the Capital Candy Jar. I started my first candy company when I was 14 years old. I wanted money to do things that other 14-year-olds would want to do, and I asked my parents for money, and they said, we don't have any to give to you, but here's a recipe to make lollipops, see if you can... Uh, make them and sell them at school, so I did, and I was the richest kid in school for about four months until the principal shut me down because I was taking too much revenue away from the vending machine. So that was my first candy company. Um, I moved to the District of Columbia about nine years ago, and one of the things I noticed at that time is that DC didn't have its own candy company, and so I started the Capital Candy Jar about seven years ago, and we've been growing very strong ever since. And uh, every year, our, we were seeing growth, and, and uh, everything was going great. And then, as uh, Mohammed said, uh, you know, COVID hit, and that had a dramatic effect on our business. Um, Neil talked about how the convention business and the hotels have been affected. Well, um, as a small business that supplies those industries, it's had a direct impact on us because uh, hotel gift shops were one of the biggest places that we sold our candy. We used to get a lot of conventions of order candy, um, branded candy to hand out at conventions and things, and, and that was a huge portion of our revenue stream that just disappeared overnight mm -hmm. when COVID started. Um, thank you uh, also to the deputy mayor's office because we also re received a small uh, grant from the city and that kind of helped us in those early days when things were so desperate and tight for us. Um, one of the things that's been fantastic is, uh, as from a business perspective, is being able to slowly pivot the business and learning new ways to, to do business in, in the new COVID era that we have no idea how long it's going to last. Um, one of the first things we did is we pivoted our website. We said, you know, people are going to be in quarantine and they're going to need, you know, they're going to be feeling bad and people just want to let people know they're thinking about them. So we launched a whole second brand uh, called capitalcarepackage.com and you can send a care package to anyone for $10 or less, including shipping. And we've sent over 4,000 care packages since we launched that earlier this year. Um, our website itself has taken off, and we have shipped so many uh, gifts to people. Um, one of the things that I'm excited, uh, Rahma talked about businesses supporting other businesses. I've been getting a lot of calls from other local DC businesses that are saying things like, our employees are, you know, 
been at home for months and they're just feeling a little bit low and we want to send them something to pick up their spirits or you know we've got this event going on and, and we want to send something to people. We've been getting a lot of um, orders and things from uh, other businesses in DC and that's really grown our business. That's, that's really how we've had a pivot now with the hotels and convention business being on. Most of our business these days is to other is, uh, companies and corporations and our web business are the two things that are keeping us alive. And the exciting thing is we've actually been able to bring back most of our employees that we had at furlough uh, in the early days. And so um, it's exciting to see that. And then um, we're pretty excited about the downtown holiday market. One of the things uh, that that does for us is it gives us almost a whole second store location. We do have a store on Capitol Hill um, at the corner of 15th and Constitution Northeast that you can visit year-round. But for the entire month of December, we also have this sort of pop-up store at the downtown holiday market. And one of the things that that allows us to do is hire additional DC residents and, and employ them uh, during this market uh, to help us uh, run that. And so uh, we're pretty excited about being able to support them and, and contribute to the economy that way. Well, uh, thank you all for uh, being here with us today. And I'll start off with uh, some questions uh, for uh, actually David. So David, I see Rahamas brought some samples. Did you bring any samples? If I had known, I would have brought lots of chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> but we can ship anywhere. <laughs> and actually, on that though, you mentioned that your website traffic has really picked up. What have you done to sort of uh, stand out uh, on the web? I think we've done two things. We, we created that second brand that I talked about, capitalcarepackage.com, and then on our regular website, capitalcandyjar.com, uh, we really invested this year in the website. Once we saw that that was where our revenue was going to come from, we, um, to, to give you a comparison, in the past, our web has been about 1% to 2% of our business, and this year it's probably going to be about 40 to 50% of our business. So massive increase there. And so we started investing in our website. We just, um, a couple weeks ago, moved to a brand new platform hosting the web. Uh, we hired local photographers to, to reshoot all of our products. Um, we've really been trying to support other small businesses as we grew the web. Yeah. And uh, Rahama, thank you for your work. Uh, and in particular, thank you for your work uh, in making sure that uh, tourists and visitors that come to DC don't just leave with an FBI or a CIA <laughs> t-shirt, uh, which we see uh, very often uh, here in DC. But tell us, so how have your vendors and the folks that you worked with on the uh, pop up, especially the one at the airport, how have you sort of replaced that? Have, have you found success uh, on selling on the internet? And, and how have you kind of approached that as well? Yeah, so one of the things that I've been focusing on, similar to what David is talking about, is looking at how we can utilize um, our website as a way to drive traffic to vendor. Uh, website. So the Pop-Up Collaborative is a collection of brands. So we don't necessarily run um, the business or sales arm for a specific brand. We consolidate. I'm so sorry, I'm talking to you. We consolidate all of our uh, all of the brands um, on one singular website called the DC Pop-Up, and people can go learn about the various brands and then support them through clicking through and going to their website. So that's how we we were structured beforehand. And the physical pop-up was the opportunity for us to bring all the brands in one place, so that like the airport kiosk, um, to give people the opportunity to purchase on-site. And so uh, one of the things that we've done um, is work with LEDC to develop a web strategy um, to help us with driving traffic to our website and then from there to the brands that we're working with. For this particular downtown um, holiday market experience, one of the things that we're doing is we're developing a code called Unity, 
and that code, everyone that is in the collaborative will be using the code unity as a way when people come into the tent, we'll share that code and people will then go to their website and they can use that code to either get, you know, like a 10% discount or get free shipping by supporting the website through, through the collaborative members that we have. But, you know, I would say that we're really still trying to figure things out. Um, it has not been easy. It has, it has been an up and down roller coaster. And I think that I, I, I really have appreciated how DC government has um, galvanized all these resources to support small businesses and also some of the <coughs> institutions and organizations like WACUS and LEDC um, and the inner city capital connections that have really reached out to, to support us as we're trying to navigate this difficult period. Thank you for that. And uh, Mike, you have talked about sort of the new setup uh, for this year, so uh, bringing traffic downtown, uh, bringing the push traffic downtown, and if we go to the map that you laid out, I'll let you go to that slide. One of the ways I think that you made it COVID safe was you moved out to the street, uh, but then it's hard to see on the map, but is it uh, one direction around and kind of talk to us all the different kind of details that went into making this uh, market. Uh, the holiday market, the COVID space. Sure. Um, the, in, in some ways, uh, you know, of course, there's lots of challenges this year, and uh, but in some ways, this uh, challenge of putting us on the street is kind of the greatest thing for this market. Uh, it's much more efficient. It's much more accessible. Uh, it's much better for every vendor, uh, and it's going to because of the way we had it structured uh, for COVID, which is going to be, you know, very safe for the customers. Um, but we've been operating uh, for many months at other markets, and we've worked uh, very closely with the Office of Planning and uh, and the rest of the government on uh, developing protocols to have uh, shopping occur safely outside. So we've really been honed down to its essence here uh, with a single entrance. Um, we're barricaded uh, all around the market, so uh, folks won't be coming from different directions. Um, people all shop in one direction. Uh, nobody crosses in front of each other. Uh, we don't have a, a single aisle with vendors on each side, so nobody's zigzagging around and going to get in front of somebody else or get too close to somebody else. So all of these things make for uh, for a better experience. Um, and and this way, you know, when you had two aisles or one aisle and two vendors, uh, folks would miss stuff, you know, and the crowds would make you miss stuff. In this scenario, every vendor gets every customer's eyeballs and a chance to, uh, to sell. Um, so, and then we have this center area for the public and a place to do a screen. Um, we have uh, the food is separated from the non-food, uh, so we have food at the end cap and uh, food uh, in the middle uh, next to the audience tent. So we really think it's, it's just a, a, a better way to, to do business. And uh, you know, I hope we can continue on the street uh, with uh, government help to, uh, to do this in the future. And, and I'm glad we brought up the farmer's market because we have been able to keep farmer's markets open mm -hmm. uh, during this time. And so I guess that experience has really allowed you to. Yeah, the, the Food Policy uh, Council and the Office of Planning really uh, worked hard and uh, developing uh, a system uh, for farmers markets to operate, uh, and uh, you know we were considered essential in the beginning, and and it was very important to keep them open, and 
in and, and work together. And uh, we all were carrying maps and best practices. And, you know, as a, as a public space uh, advocate, uh, you know, I don't love having to barricade it and make one entrance. You know, I, I want the free flow. But uh, I understand what we had to do this year. But it, 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 there's something to be learned from that going forward when COVID is over, too. There's, there's something about uh, having the foot traffic go in a certain way that, that's helpful. So it's going to be an interesting experiment. But I'm excited about it. Great. Uh, and before we bring uh, Neil into the conversation or back into the conversation, we had a couple social media uh, questions or questions on social media, I should say. Uh, the first was from uh, Tiffany on Facebook, uh, who asked uh, if we can extend unemployment uh, benefits so people can pay rent. We actually, uh, working with our partners on the council, do have uh, an extension of some unemployment benefits uh, underway right now. And if you go to the uh, uh, coronavirus.gc.gov uh, web page, uh, if you go to that site, we have all the contact information. Uh, for our partners at the Department of Employment Services who can walk through your eligibility uh, for those uh, uh, different unemployment uh, benefits. Uh, so that was a question from Tiffany. And then this one actually is for uh, Director Donaldson. So what's the relevance of 50 units or less? Uh, That's a question from Layla on Facebook. So thank you for that question. Uh, so the, uh, you know, we think of smaller buildings and small landlords and small business in the district. And in fact, those are some of the most, they operate on very small margins and they are uh, at risk of if even there are just a handful of tenants that aren't paying their rent, that the building operations won't be sustainable and that that housing uh, will be lost. Sometimes, many times those units are naturally affordable, uh, are naturally occurring affordable housing and we just wanted to target the resources that is one program, particularly two smaller buildings. Uh, and then Cassandra asked about um, if there's any assistance for uh, uh, energy assistance, uh, utility uh, assistance, and there is. Uh, we have a program in the district uh, called LIHEAP, uh, and if you go to the uh, coronavirus.gc.gov uh, slash recovery page, uh, we'll make sure that all the information for the LIHEAP program uh, which is uh, administered by our Department of in, uh, Energy and uh, the Environment. We'll make sure that uh, all of that information is posted on coronavirus.ac.gov/recovery. Uh, uh, so now bringing Neil back into the conversation, I'll ask Zoella uh, to help us by getting that uh, wonderful line chart that shows kind of the utilization. Uh, so, what does the holiday market mean to uh, downtown DC and bringing? Uh, sort of put traffic back in a safe way. Thank you, Deputy Mayor. Uh, before I respond to that, let me just uh, underscore how safe this event is going to be because I think it's extremely important. So, Mike outlined a number of new initiatives that we're taking. So, as he mentioned, it's going to be one direction only. So, there's one entry and one exit. Uh, our downtown bid hospitality ambassadors will be there at the entrance. Uh, to make sure that people uh, are not bunching together. Uh, we may do uh, temperature checks uh, at, at the entrance. If we need lots of hand sanitizers and sanitation, sanitizing rather, uh, equipment there. Uh, and then our ambassadors will um, move you along. Uh, if you are not moving along, we'd love for you to 
come and stop until we draw, uh, which means that uh, we may delay our entrance uh, into the area just to make sure that people can stop uh, safely. We're going to be there for the entire day, so there is really uh, no need to be bunching up. And then the other thing I would add about this, the streets of downtown DC are not very active right now. And so even if people uh, take advantage of the food opportunities at the holiday market, uh, you can feel free to spread out on the sidewalk, Capital One Arena, et cetera, and enjoy the delicacies that are there. I'm going primarily for the donuts. Uh, we'll be there uh, very often. Uh, I also want to take this opportunity to really just thank one of our supporters, Event CC, uh, who's been an integral part of the city's recovery effort and uh, supporting a number of initiatives uh, that uh, the mayor's undertaken and, and supporting the downtown DC did. So, what does this all mean uh, for downtown DC? As I mentioned, we're operating. Uh, a good 80% of where we were as an economy uh, last last year. And so this is an opportunity to get more people from around D.C. and the D.C. region to come and support our local uh, vendors. That means jobs, right? So it's lots of seasonal hiring, and, and you heard um, from David and uh, Rahama that it, it means jobs. It also means the, the opportunity to showcase uh, some of the good work that people like David and Rahama have not been able to, to showcase for the last six uh, to, eight, to eight months. And then finally, when people come downtown uh, for the holiday market, we want to encourage you to support some of the other businesses that are open downtown. We do have four museums that are open downtown, and I've been to two of them since they've reopened. They are safe. Poetry Distance, uh, the Smithsonian American Art Museum is open, the National Portrait Gallery is open, uh, the, the, the National Museum of Women in the Arts is open, and then for, particularly for folks with crafts or kids, uh, the new museum in, in downtown DC is Planet Word. So come and enjoy uh, the weekend, uh, make it a downtown DC weekend, support the holiday market, and then support some of our museums that are open. And, and the uh, Planet Word is a, our newest museum uh, in the district. It actually opened uh, just recently, and it is at uh, 13th and K Northwest, and it is entirely free uh, for district residents. Correct. Uh, and so what you see um, uh, with uh, the lack of foot traffic, too, we sometimes think about that as sort of, uh, you know, the workers not going into their office, but what does that have an impact on the workers who are in the retail and the restaurants? How, how is that impacted? Well, it's really translated into lots of uh, our most essential, uh, well, not our, our service industry workers actually being furloughed. And so, um, you know, as, as I mentioned earlier, even though hotels are operating with 81% of their rooms available, they're still only operating at about 33% of uh, where they were a year ago. That means that you know the people who make up your room, the people who serve you at the restaurant, are no longer there because their budgets can't afford it. So the more foot traffic we get downtown, uh, the more we are supporting our restaurants uh, and our retail and service industry workers who are in the hardest hit in downtown DC. Also, I highlight uh, for those who uh, aren't 
uh, able to take Metro if we need to drive downtown. Uh, right now, on-street parking uh, remains free um, and available uh, for folks. So uh, really, the thing we want to emphasize is that this holiday market uh, was uh, designed in order to make sure that it was safe uh, and accessible for folks. So we want to make sure uh, that that's there and give folks an opportunity uh, to support uh, the vendors uh, that are uh, going to be presenting there uh, and support those small businesses. Actually, tell me how important is the fourth quarter uh, to makers and uh, vendors who will be at the market? I would say it's tremendously important. Um, as I mentioned before, even just looking at my business, losing you know 70% of revenue and seeing a little bit of turnaround at the end of the third quarter of 2020, uh, the final quarter of 2020 is going to set us up for being able to uh, do well in 2021. And so this is not only my experience, but also all of the brands that you know were, were featured here today and will be featured in the downtown holiday market. This is the last push. Um, we want to end the year strong. We want to end the year hopeful uh, so that 2021 we can try to get our businesses back on track. And I say this not only um, for my business, but for you know thousands of small business owners across the city. Um, we we are looking forward to seeing you at the downtown holiday market. Um, you are literally going to be putting your money into the companies that keep the city running, um, that keep the city unique, and that keep the the DC culture alive. So we, we look forward to seeing you in the next couple of days. And, uh, David, uh, for you, uh, just kind of historically, what's the fourth quarter of the year mean for your uh, business and, and keeping your employees uh, on? As a candy business, uh, we do about 40 to 50 percent of our annual revenue in the months of November and December. So by far the biggest holidays of the year are out shining into the others throughout the year. So it really is a critical time for us. And um, Again, based on some of the support we're seeing from other businesses supporting us and giving us their business, um, we're optimistic that this is going to be a, uh, it's not going to be as bad as it's been the rest of the year, but these things are on their way back, um, and we're excited about that. Absolutely. And uh, we have a couple more uh, questions from social media. Uh, so we'll go to a uh, Facebook question from, who's that, Charlie? Uh, Charlie asked, uh, and this is for uh, Director Donaldson. Uh, can I apply to both uh, services, both programs for rental assistance, or do I choose one? And you know, how if I fit both criteria? So how do we navigate that question? Sure. Uh, let me let me answer. It's a great question. We actually have selected the community-based organizations that are also implementing other rent assistance programs. So you have a one-stop shop uh, where you enter and make the application, and then they determine which program you're best suited for and eligible for, and then we can get, so we can get the funds to you. So uh, just apply. We strongly encourage you to apply. Uh, go to coronavirus.dc.gov and select which community-based organization you would like to work with. And uh, Charlie, if you, uh, if you access this through Facebook, so you go to that website, go to the recovery page, and that's where you'll find all the information, uh, and as the director said. So director, if I call, any one of those organizations, they'll help me direct me to which program I actually call them. Absolutely. Okay, fantastic. And then another question uh, we have, this is I think a more general question, uh, comes to us from Twitter, uh, and uh, Sutton, and it has some numbers at the end, but uh, Sutton asks, uh, where and how can I apply for uh, low-income housing? Uh, tell us just sort of how, uh, where you direct folks when they ask 
a website, uh, DC Housing, uh, uh, which is a, uh, a site that lists all the available affordable housing units that the health developer are either uh, directly uh, low-income low housing or they are uh, inclusionary zoning. Uh, we also uh, know that uh, we can, uh, there are individual um, uh, housing counseling organizations that can help try to uh, match you up with available units um, and that are receive listings from landlords for that purpose. We've also just launched Home for the Holidays, uh, which was just announced by uh, the mayor for, uh, and the Department of Human Services that is a very specific uh, program that matches up landlords with uh, uh, tenants and or residents who need help. Great. And that uh, website is DC Housing Search. Yes. DC Housing Search. DC Housing Search.org. Fantastic. Uh, and we'll make sure, I don't know if that one's listed on the recovery page, but we'll make sure we'll make sure, uh, we yeah. share that on uh, social media uh, as well as uh, the recovery page to make sure that we get uh, into the Facebook feed all of the different links that we um, have also shared with you today. Uh, but that's a good question because I think a lot of times uh, people don't know where to start, and dchousingsearch.org uh, is a good place uh, to start. Um, and then a question for uh, uh, from Facebook, and this is from uh, sorry, Renee. Renee asks, uh, I can't get to a testing site. Do uh, you have vans to pick uh, to pick you up? Actually, there's a new. Uh, testing resource that we have available. If you go to uh, the coronavirus.dc.gov uh, site and you look for the testing tab, uh, we actually uh, have through the Department of Health uh, a new uh, resource for our residents. And that's actually to have a test sent to them. Uh, so it actually will come to you uh, in the mail. It's a self-test that you can uh, return. So if you go to uh, the coronavirus.dc.gov slash testing, uh, go to that page and you can find how you can uh, access uh, one of those testing kits. So instead of utilizing the van, we'll make sure we just mail it uh, right to you uh, and you can get it there. Uh, so we've had a lot of questions. This has been a really uh, robust dialogue today. We're coming to the end of our time. I, I always like to ask each of our guests to kind of give us uh, a parting thought. Uh, it could even be a pitch uh, to share their website. Uh, but we'll start off uh, with David. Uh, and ask him to give us his parting thoughts. Um, I'm very optimistic and excited about the holiday season this year. Um, I think a lot of people are, I'm noticing on Facebook and other social media that people are putting up their Christmas trees early this year and people are really anxious to have uh, an exciting holiday. And I'm really excited um, because most of the events that we've normally participated in are canceled this year. And so the downtown holiday market is going to be one of those things that's still here. And it's a, I think it's going to be a great way to celebrate the holidays. Um, we would love to support you in your Christmas gift giving or holiday gift giving this year. Um, visit the capitalcandyjar.com or capitalcarepackage.com, and uh, we appreciate your support. Yeah, thank you so much for, for having me, um, Deputy Mayor, and thank you so much, Mike, um, for all the work that you are doing to and the downtown bid to, to make this happen for all of us. I know that your team is stretched very thin right now, but uh, like David said, I'm super, super excited that we get a chance to end the year strong. Uh, the theme of our tent is shop local, celebrate unity. So come on by, learn about the brands that are part of our collective, part of our community. We are certainly stronger together. And you can learn about all the, the different products that we'll be having.